Well, good morning, good morning. I want to welcome everybody who is watching online as well. So glad that you guys are joining us. If we have not met, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. So thankful for everybody who is here with us today. I really do believe that God is going to do something special this, in this time. If you have your Bibles, please grab them and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Galatians 5, 1. We had an amazing weekend last weekend with our apologetics conference and Dr. Sean McDowell. We could celebrate that if you guys enjoyed Dr. Sean McDowell. Yes. Um, and so he was awesome. But uh, now we are back in the book of Galatians and it will be in chapter five. I'll fill you in if you are just joining us or if you kind of need a recap. We'll have a recap in just a moment. But one of the key themes of the Bible is that God loves to save people and God loves to set people free. It starts in even the book of Exodus, one of the first books of your Bible. God chooses a people, the people of Israel, and he delivers them and saves them from slavery in Egypt. It's a miraculous story where he uh, delivers them from slavery, uh, takes them through the Red Sea, another miracle that happens. But something's interesting in your Bible after this moment. Because the children of Israel, they've been saved, they've been set free. They're standing at the edge of the Red Sea, singing a song of praise to God because God has saved them. But then they turn around and they discover that ahead of them is a massive desert, a massive wilderness. And throughout uh, much of the, the first five books of the Bible, they are traveling through this wilderness, going through a ton of different trials, learning to trust God, learning to rely on him. And if you know your Bible, it is a lot of ups, but it's also a lot of downs. They spend 40 years in the wilderness, but their trials are not over because after they get into the land that God had promised them, there are still battles to be fought. And so over and over again, we see that God's people, they're saved, they're set free, but they still have to walk through a process of freedom. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of people ask, why, did it, why is it that God caused the people to go through this process? Well, I've heard it said before that God removed the people from Egypt, but he still had work to do to remove Egypt from the hearts of the people. And so often what we see is that God's people, we have been freed, but we also have an allure where we're sometimes drawn back in to what enslaved us in the first place. We see this example as we look at the people of Israel. And in fact, in the book of Numbers, we see this. It said all the people, this is in the wilderness, they're being led by Moses and Aaron and they're grumbled against them. And it says the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Here's the principle. It's actually harder for us to live in the uncertainty of trusting God than in the certainty of slavery. Sometimes it's scarier to trust God's promises, trust God's provision in our lives. And maybe you're wondering, what does this have to do with Galatians? What does it have to do with our church or this room? And I'll tell you this. It's possible to be saved, 
but not to be free. It's possible to have experienced God's power in one area of your life to be saved, to be rescued, but also to not be walking in the fullness of all God has for you. And I believe that there are Christians in churches all over the world who love God. God loves them, but they're still in captivity because they're not walking in all that God provides for them to walk in. Here's the big idea that we're going to be talking about today. You can write it down, and it's this, that God wants his people to be free. We'll try it one more time. That's a good amen moment right there. (laughs) God wants his people to be free. Amen, amen. And so we're going to study that in Galatians. Look with me at verse 1 of Galatians chapter 5. Here's the plan. We're going to look through the 13 verses today. And really camp out on verses 1 and then the last verse, verse 13. So I'm going to move quickly and then we'll talk about this concept of freedom. Chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We'll come back to that. Verse 2, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Now remember, Paul is writing to a group of churches that he planted. They're young Christians, and they're being deceived by false teaching. The false teaching says Jesus is great, but he is not enough. You need to add the law. You need to add good works. You need to add, in this case, circumcision. And Paul is saying, no, Jesus is enough. There's no other gospel. Verse four says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, if you're wondering, if you're thinking to yourself, okay, it's kind of awkward to sit here and listen to a teaching on circumcision. It's awkward for me to stand up here and give a teaching on circumcision, okay? (laughs) Uh, There's only really two professions in the world that talk about this regularly. It's pastors and pediatricians. And I do feel weird sometimes. I'm like, man, I'm a normal guy. I'm married. I got kids. I got a job. I do yard work. And then occasionally I stand up in front of a group of normal adults and talk about circumcision. It's like a very weird thing. But but Paul is really saying here, he's saying that there is no spiritual value to either circumcision or non-circumcision. He's actually saying there are only two paths towards being made right with God. And here are the two paths. The two paths are you can be made right with God by your own performance, your own works, or by Jesus's work. And what he is explaining is if you try to choose the path, I'm going to be made right with God by my own works. You have to be perfect. Sometimes people say, oh man, I'll just be a good person, and if I'm a good person, God will accept me into heaven. 
Good is not good enough. If you go down the path of your own performance, you have to be perfect, and no one is perfect. And so Paul says the actual only way to be made right, to be justified before God, is to put our faith in Christ. When we put our faith in Christ, that is the gospel. I can't do it myself. Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to make me right with Christ. Then God, in fact, saves us based on the righteousness of Christ. Now let's keep reading. Look at verse seven. He says, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Notice what he says, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Maybe you've been here as we've studied the book of Galatians, and the thought has occurred to you, it's definitely occurred to me from time to time, it seems like Paul is really emphasizing this works can't save you, only Jesus can save you. Maybe you've even been tempted to think, man, it would be nice to move on to another topic at church. But I believe that Paul is highlighting this to show us and to demonstrate to us we got to be extra careful and guard our doctrine. we got to make sure that we don't let something come in and, and, and mar the gospel and, and get us focused on something else. I was uh, in a bookstore, uh, not our bookstore, I should clarify, at the church, but I was in a big bookstore recently, and uh, uh, this past week, and I was reading a book, it was a children's book, on the meaning of Easter. And the reason I was reading it was because that's kind of my reading level. I'm just kidding about that. Um, I was reading it because uh, I was saying, man, is this something I could read to my boys and explain Easter to them? And in there, as I was reading, I came across this sentence. It said, Jesus taught that anyone who loved people and always obeyed God would get to heaven. Thank you. Uh Uh-oh. That is a false gospel. That is a gospel by works, salvation by works. And I actually took a picture of it. I sent it to the guys that are in my discipleship group. We meet, we study the Bible, we hold each other accountable. And I was like, what's wrong with this picture? I was proud of them. They got it right. They were like, that's a false gospel. That's salvation by works. I was like, absolutely. But we gotta be careful. A little leaven leavens the whole dough. Verse 10, I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Now look at verse 12. Paul's going to get extra spicy here. He says, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So there's little ears here. We'll keep this vague. But Paul is saying, man, if you're preaching circumcision, I just wish you would go ahead and finish the job. Okay, don't, don't get offended at me. I'm just expositing the text for you, okay? We'll wrap up with verse 13. It says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, remember I said we're gonna camp out on the first and last verse, so I put them up on the screen for us to look at. It says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And then verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So we're going to talk today and gain an understanding of what the Bible actually says about freedom. Because remember, our big idea is this. God's heart is for you and for me to be free. God's heart is for freedom. Now, I have an outline for you. It's up on the screen if you want to see it. This is what we're going to talk about today. First, we're going to look at what does the Bible teach about freedom. We're going to discover what true freedom looks like. We're going to look at a couple of myths or lies that we believe about freedom. And finally, we're going to discover what sets us free. So first off, what does the Bible teach about freedom? As we look through the scripture, I want to give you three thoughts, three truths that the Bible teaches about freedom. And the first one is this. It's up on the screen that sin is slavery. Sin is slavery. Now, I think it could be easy to, to be in uh, our modern world and to look out and to say, you know what, like, I, I just am free because I can live my life the way I want to live it. I don't really have any rules or any regulations upon myself, and true freedom is actually me just getting to do whatever I want to do. I believe that is, in fact, a myth. The scripture teaches that sin is slavery. Jesus says this in John chapter 8, that who, uh, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. You see, scripture teaches there's only two groups of people. One is those who are followers of Jesus. Not that they are any better than anyone else, but they have been saved and forgiven because they've put their faith in Christ. And the other are people who are unsaved, or I like to say, not yet saved. And those people, the scripture says that you are a slave to sin. That's what Jesus just said. You're a slave to sin. Now, some of you in here, you, you may be thinking, okay, well, I always kind of grew up and I thought that religion was really kind of captivity. Religion has so many rules. Christianity has so many rules there. This is kind of a place that, where there's not fun and the fun is out there. And I can't understand Maybe some of us did grow up in very rigid or legalistic homes. Maybe you grew up in an atmosphere where there was no compassion. But this verse gives us heaven's perspective on the human condition. God's perspective on the human condition. And God, when he looks at human beings who are not walking with him, he sees them chained, slaved to sin. Picture an old Western movie where there is a train driving towards a cliff and the bridge is out. Man, that, that as a human without Christ in your life, you're chained, you're slaved, you're chained to that train. Death is coming. Sin leads to death and we can't escape. And I believe that if we look at our own lives, we can actually honestly say that's a true statement. I look at my life and I think about in my high school years and in college I had a, a, a deep addiction to pornography and to sexual sin. And it started in middle school with a very innocent, or not, I won't say it's innocent, a very simple desire. And I, I, what started with a simple desire very quickly 
ended up in a place where I was trapped and I couldn't escape on my own. I couldn't stop. I couldn't get out. And I realized that I needed help. Now, praise God, God has freed me from that. And it's been nine plus years since I have experienced that. And God has truly set me free. But I need us to understand. And I believe there's many people in here who could say sin is slavery. Maybe you're here and God has set you free and you have a story of that and you could say, I remember what it was like when I was trapped. Or maybe you're here and right now you would say, Brian, if I was honest, I am trapped right now. And I started dabbling with something that I thought I could control, but I realized very quickly it was controlling me. There's an old preacher line that says, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you want to pay, and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. So the first truth is that sin is slavery. The second thing that we must realize is that as humans, we have to serve someone. The idea that we are just free to do whatever we want is in some ways actually a myth. Uh, let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, so often I think that, that as human beings, uh, God has actually wired us. God has wired us to worship. We can't help but worship. And worship is connected to serving. Whatever you worship, that's the thing that you are actually serving. You have to put yourself under something. This is how uh, Paul put it in Romans chapter 6. He said, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one that you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. Paul says you have to serve someone. And this illustration that I'm about to use to kind of highlight this point, uh, I didn't come up with it. Uh, a man named John Mark Comer wrote a book called Live No Lies, and uh, he uh, talked about it in here. But he talked about the idea of, of owning a motorcycle. And by the way, if you own a motorcycle, I'm going to pick on you for just a moment. But I will say first, if you ride a motorcycle, I think you're cooler than me, okay? <laughs> like, I think you're awesome. I think you're better than me. So we'll just put that right out there. But a lot of people, when they look at having a motorcycle, they think, like having a motorcycle is the ultimate pinnacle of freedom. I can go where I want. I can do what I want. But once you have a motorcycle, you are in some sense trapped by that motorcycle. I woke up this morning, and it was cold when I rode into church, and so I just turned up my heater. If you have a motorcycle, you can't do that. You, you are trapped by the other cars in a way that I am not. I'm not worried as much about uh, the way other drivers will drive if you are on a motorcycle. If you're on a motorcycle, uh, you're very limited in your travel companions, right? I can take up to as many people as I can fit in my Scion. And you only have one travel companion. And by the way, you better like the travel companion. Because they're going to get real cozy with you. And that's not to pick on motorcycles. That's just to say that when you make a choice, you're trapped by that choice. So often people will say, man, if I could just get a high-powered, high-paying job, make more money, then I'll be free. But all of a sudden, you discover when you're in that high-powered job, you have a lot of responsibility. You have a lot of people that, that, um, that are asking and demanding things of you. And all of a sudden, you're trapped by that. 
People will even say, man, if, if I was famous, if I could just get famous, that would bring me great freedom. But once you get famous, you got to keep producing things that make you famous. And we haven't even gotten into moral things yet. How about the desires we have? When we think to ourselves, man, if I could just pursue my desires, pursue what makes me feel good, that will make me free. When we do that, though, what we discover is that so often the things that make us feel good in the moment aren't the things that bring us true joy. So what happens when you have a battle between those two? We have to serve someone. And then the third thing that we must realize about biblical freedom is that Jesus brings true freedom. Jesus brings true freedom. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a paradox. It's a contradiction if you think about it because Jesus makes very high demands. He says, if you follow me, you have to die to yourself. You have to lay down your life. You have to consider me Lord and you are my servant. But he says, when you do these things, that actually is what brings you freedom. John 8, 3, 6 says this, that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. When you choose to follow Jesus, making him your Lord, when you choose to lay down what you want, the Bible says that's actually true freedom. So the question is this, what does true freedom look like in your life and in my life? Well, I wrote down a few things that I think you and me could walk out of here and walk into freedom if we step into these things. God, I believe, wants to do some things in your life, and here are a few of those things. First off, I believe God wants to set us free from the law, free from the law. Now, if you lived in Galatia, in the time that Paul was writing, this was the thing that you needed the most because the false teaching at that time was you need to be under the law. I don't know of too many Christians who live in 2023 in America that are like really trapped by the Mosaic law, but, but it's helpful to remember that salvation happens by our faith, not by our works. So in other words, you put your faith in Christ, God saves you, he forgives you, and he adopts you. So your performance doesn't have anything to do with how God loves you. It's your faith in Christ, and it's what Christ has done. So we could be free from the law. But I think there's a lot more that we need to be free from. Number two, I think we need to be free from addiction. There are so many different things that our culture is addicted to, and I'm not naive enough to think that there aren't some addictions that are in this room as well. Obviously, I've shared about my struggles, but maybe there are some people in here that, that are addicted to things that we would even say are kind of minor. Man, man, maybe we're addicted to our screens or social media or, or something that's on a, a video game or something that, that, that we see on our phones. Maybe we're addicted to a substance, drugs or alcohol. Many are addicted to gambling. There are some who are addicted to sensuality and pornography, but maybe that's what God wants to set you free from. Number three, free from strongholds, mental strongholds, lies that we believe that are keeping us from walking in the fullness of what God has for us. Emotional strongholds, fear, doubt, depression, discouragement, lack of motivation, lack of drive in life. 
What about spiritual strongholds? We can open up ourselves to the enemy having a foothold in our lives and we can have spiritual strongholds that God wants to set us free from. Next, free in our relationships. We wanna be people who are free as we interact with each other. Some of us in here, we have bitterness and unforgiveness that is holding us back. And maybe we think that the bitterness and the unforgiveness, it's a way that we can hurt the other person, but we don't realize that the bitterness, the unforgiveness is actually a poison that is hurting us. What about people-pleasing? There are people who are so worried about the opinions of others. And right now, in every interaction, you're ranking how things are going and your mind is going a million miles an hour in every conversation because you're so worried what everyone thinks about you. I believe that God wants to set you free from that. And then last one is this, free from greed. The Bible says, keep your life free of the love of money. You can be incredibly wealthy and still have greed in your life and be trapped. You can also... Uh, be under the poverty line, but be free from greed because your life is full of contentment. Now, as we look at this list, I think that so often what we see is we see things that God desires to remove from our life so that we could have more joy and peace and freedom as we follow him. And, And I would guess that for many of us in here, God and the Holy Spirit right now is speaking to us and saying, yes, That's what I have for you. I want to help you walk in freedom. But as soon as the Spirit starts speaking to us, let me tell you what else happens. That our mind, the enemy starts to come in and starts to get us to rationalize things. And we start to either say, I'll deal with that later. I don't really want to mess with that right now. It's impossible for me to be free. Or we even start to say, you know what? It's not a big deal. I've lived with it for this long. I could just continue to live with it. And I have a little illustration for you that hopefully is going to be helpful. So I have here a nice stack of books that I got from my office. Now, before you think I'm too impressive, I've probably read like two of these books, okay? (laughs) The rest I just keep so that people will think I'm smart. Now, If I was forced to give the rest of this teaching, holding these books, it's possible that I could do it. I have a very large toddler that I have to carry around from time to time, so I've built up a certain amount of strength, and these aren't moving and squirming as much as the toddler does. But it would definitely limit me. By the end of the message, I would definitely be out of breath. I'd be perspiring. Maybe I would end early, which some of you would probably love but it would limit me. Now, what if I was forced to carry these books around for my entire life? Now, I might get to a place where I get used to it. I might get to a place where I could figure out how to cope and how to live, but it would not be the fullest possible life. I wouldn't be able to interact with my kids. I wouldn't be able to ever do sports or athletics. I wouldn't be able to help somebody. If I saw someone that needed a hand, I would say, sorry, I got no hands to give. And some of us have gotten to a place where we're so used to living in captivity. And God says, I want you to be free. But what we're telling ourselves is, I can live with this. 
Some of us are even telling ourselves, no one really notices. We, we notice, you know, we can tell. But man, think about all that God has for you. The ability to worship him. A transformation of your heart, a transformation of your life. An ability to have a ministry to serve and help other people. Not that you can't have one now, but how much easier will it be when God sets you free? So I want to encourage you, if God has freedom for you, step into that freedom. And now I'm going to put these books down because I don't think I can actually teach the whole time with them. So we learned that uh, God wants freedom for us. I want to talk for a moment about some myths about freedom. Some of the lies that we can believe about freedom. The first one is this, that I can get free by myself. I can free myself. We've talked all throughout Galatians that we can't save ourselves. Only God can save us. And I just want to encourage us that freedom truly happens when we surrender and we say, I can't do it on my own. That's myth number one. Myth number two is this. Freedom is not possible. Freedom is not possible. And maybe there are people who are in this room or who are watching online. And as I've been preaching, you have recognized that you have something that God wants to set you free from. But this whole time you've been thinking and you've been saying, listen, Brian, I've tried this before. I've been down this path. I've prayed. I've come down front for a prayer. I've opened up and confessed. And I can't seem to shake these things that are in my past. They're still in my present. And I've been there. As I shared, God has set me free, and I've been free for almost nine years, but I remember during that time when I was addicted to pornography, and I do remember coming down front for prayer and confessing and having accountability groups and having moments of victory, but then having other moments of great failure. And I remember feeling discouraged, like, man, I'm never going to get out of this. But I want to encourage you with a couple of things. First off, I want to show you a, a, a beautiful scripture that is a prophecy about Jesus. It's from Isaiah chapter 61. The prophet writes, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, talking about Jesus, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Notice those last two lines. Jesus specializes in setting people free. Amen? And if you're still discouraged, if you still feel like, I can't be free, I want to show you that Jesus can set people free. I believe that in this room, right now, there are hundreds of people who have experienced God moving in a powerful way in their lives. And I want to ask you right now that if you've been walking with God for any time at all, and you have experienced God setting you free, maybe you're not all where you want to be. Maybe you've still got some junk to work out with God and you still are in the process. We're all there. But I want to ask if you've experienced freedom in your life from God. Right now, please just give God glory by clapping your hands. Can you do that? Yeah. I want to encourage you, and I'm clapping my hands too, that if God can set these people free, if God can set me free, he can set you free as well. 
That's one of the myths about freedom. And then the third and final myth about freedom that I want to share with you is this, that I will experience total freedom in one instant. It's funny, multiple times, uh, every service, someone's chuckled, like, oh, that's, that's a good one. Now, I, w- I want to encourage you, because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe God still does miracles. And, and there are times when we pray and God breaks through in our lives. And we're going to have an opportunity to pray in just a few moments. And I believe that God will do miracles at our church this weekend. I believe that people will be set free. But I want to encourage you that we live in a culture that is an instant gratification culture. We live in a culture that says if it hasn't been done in five minutes, it's not going to be done. And so often, God views things in seasons, not seconds. He views things in in years, not from the time it takes for me to get to my car. And, And there's a verse, remember we've been talking about this story of the Israelites, God freeing them from slavery and God calling them to step into uh, the promised land. But he makes a very interesting promise to his people. And if you look on the screen in Exodus, this is a promise. He's talking about delivering them from their enemies and driving their enemies away. And he says, I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. He says, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Now let this be an encouragement to you. God does break through in powerful moments in our lives, but God also works little by little. If you're here today and you're discouraged because you feel like you're not as far on your Christian walk as you want to be, God is working little by little. If you come up for prayer in just a moment and you leave here and you still feel burdened and you don't feel 100% free, God is working in the process little by little. Be encouraged. Have faith. God can move in a powerful way, but sometimes he moves through the process. I was thinking about it like this. Uh, My dad and I, um, one of the things that growing up we loved to do was watch World War II movies. And one of our favorites to watch was uh, a classic movie, The Great Escape. I'm sure many of us have seen The Great Escape. Uh, If you haven't, no worries. I'm going to spoil it for you. But in honesty, uh, the title is the spoiler. It's about a great escape, okay? And so what happens is it's a group of American and British prisoners of war. They've been captured by the Nazis and they've been held in a prison camp and they go on a a great escape. They dig a a tunnel underground. They dig it out underneath the fence and they dig it up. And so instead of going over the fence, they go under the fence, underground, and they get to freedom. Now, this is a very, uh, like, I'm, I'm really rushing through the plot here, but there is a moment where many of them go through the tunnel, they get up, and they're on the other side of the fence. They are, at that moment, free. But how many know they can't just stand there and say, I'm free, right? God has much more for them, okay? They have to get from that moment five feet from the fence towards true freedom. 
And so they have to go through the woods and Steve McQueen has to ride on a motorcycle and they have to like steal bikes and they have to climb the Alps. There's all of these things that they have to do to actually get freedom. It's the same thing for us. When God saves us, the moment God saves us, we are free. Because Christ's power has defeated hell. Christ's power has defeated death. Christ's power has defeated sin. But we have to take that freedom and with God walk towards more freedom. So how do we do that? What brings true freedom? Well, I want to show a scripture to you on the screen. We've already talked about it for a moment, but I want to bring it up one more time. Jesus is talking and notice he says this. He says, if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then in John 8, 36, we've already talked about it. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So how do we get free? Well, Jesus sets us free and he sets us free by the power of his truth by the power of his truth. So I wanna give you a couple of truths for us to look at and for us to understand, and I believe they're on the screen. Here's a f- three truths that will set us free. First off, the gospel. Secondly, our identity in Christ. And third, our participation in the process. So let me talk about the gospel for a moment. What is the gospel? The gospel is, God, I, I can't do it. I can't save myself. I can't set myself free. God, I need you. And when we cry out to God and when we admit our need to him, when we admit our need that Jesus must save us, God steps in and he begins through his power to rescue us and to set us free. And so we have to start with that as our foundation, not that we're going to save ourselves, not that we're going to come up with an awesome scheme, but the foundation of the gospel is God must be the one to save. God, I'm desperate for you to move. Then let's talk about our identity in Christ. When God saves us, he transforms us from the inside out. He makes us a new creation and he gives us a new inward identity. And I'm gonna talk about just one piece of that identity. It's so important. Look at Romans chapter six, a great passage to think about and meditate on when it comes to freedom. But Paul says this, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Not if you show up to church, not if you read your, we are, if you're a Christian, you are no longer a slave to sin. For we died with Christ and when we died, we were set free from the power of sin. I need us to understand this. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you have to sin. You do not have any choice in the matter. You are a slave to sin. But if you're here and you are a Christian, if Christ has saved you, if you are in Christ, sin does not have power over you. That doesn't mean we never sin. We have our flesh. We have the world influence. We have temptation from the enemy. So there are going to be times when we sin. But you need to understand this. As a Christian, you do not have to sin anymore because it does not have power and authority over you because Christ has set you free from that. 
I talked to somebody a few months ago, and they were talking about how hard it was not to sin. Oh, man, there's so much temptation in the world. And, and anytime I turn on TV, and they, they were talking, and as they were talking, they were talking with a great heart of defeat. I think Christians, so often we walk around in defeat. I can't win. Sin has defeated me. Well, you cannot win on your own. But your new identity in Christ is that you are no longer a slave to sin. Sin has lost its power over you because you are a Christian. The truth will set you free. But we also must understand, number three is this, our participation in the process. I've never heard of somebody just laying around, not taking any active role, and God just dumping freedom on them. It, we do have to participate. We have to put our faith in Christ. When God opens up opportunities for us to take wise steps forward, we take them, and as we take them, God shows up in power and sets us free. And so here at this church, one of our values is fighting for freedom. It's one of our seven disciplines. We want to see people set free and sent out to fulfill their God-given calling. And so we have biblical counseling here. We have support groups here. We have different uh, areas and ways that you can get connected and you can get plugged in to say, I need freedom. I need help. And there will be people from our church that will come alongside you and walk with you as you need that freedom. And what we're going to do in just a moment is we are going to create an opportunity for you to take a step towards freedom. In just a moment, the band is going to come back up, and they're going to play a song. And during that song, while the band comes up, the prayer team is going to come up as well. Usually, the prayer team comes up at uh, the end of service after we dismiss, but the prayer team is going to be up during the last song. And I'm going to give us an opportunity that if God has been speaking to you in this message, if God has been laying on your heart that you need freedom, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come up and get freedom. Now, now somebody once said, like, maybe you're asking, well, why, why do I need to come up to the front? So, so somebody said that up here at the front, it's not like there's more of God up here, but there can be less of us up here. There's something powerful that happens when we say, I'm going to take a step. And I believe that some of us, right now, we walked in here, and we walked in here with a burden. We walked in here carrying a lot. And like we said, it's possible that God does a powerful breakthrough and you're going to walk out and it's all going to be gone. But, but I do believe that as you walk up here and as you say, God, I need prayer, I need help, that when you do that, that, that it's the process of laying that burden down and saying, God, I'm stepping into what you've called me to step into. So I want to invite us all to stand to our feet. I'm going to pray. And then I'll share what we're going to do. God, we thank you for this moment. God, we're inviting you in to do what only you can do. We ask that you would move in power. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, at this time, I would like to invite our prayer team to come, out, come on down. You guys can walk down and make your way down at this time.
Now, there's going to be a couple groups of people here. First off, there are maybe some people here that you need to become a Christian. The first step towards freedom is experiencing salvation. And so if you need to become a Christian, come down here. But listen, it is not limited to people who don't need to become a Christian. God doesn't just want us to be uh, saved. He wants us to experience true freedom. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, like I need uh, freedom from something that I don't even think is that big of a deal or the world doesn't think is a big deal. But if God's putting it on your heart, come down. And maybe you have a heavy burden and you need freedom from something that you think is impossible. You come on down as well. People are already walking down. You can make your way down. And the band's gonna lead. The band's gonna sing. For those of you guys who aren't walking down, let's sing, let's worship together, and let's praise God as God is moving. The band's going to lead us. I want to encourage us. There's many people who are down here and who are praying. And I believe God is moving in a special way. But I just want to exhort and encourage you. Don't, don't let a moment pass you by if God is putting it on your heart. I think so often what's, what's keeping us from moving forward in everything that God has for us is just us. Our pride, us not wanting to admit that, that we need help that the very heart of Christianity, the start of Christianity is, I need help. God, I need you. And like I said, this is not just for salvation. This is for Christians. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time. Maybe you've been to church for a long time. Maybe you're a leader at the church. 
and you still need freedom. Whatever it is, if, if, if you feel like God is, is inviting you to come down and receive prayer, don't let this moment pass you by. The team's gonna continue to pray. If everybody's getting prayed for, wait for a moment and come down.
So, listen, we're, uh, we're, we're out of the time of the service, um, but I think it's very clear God is still working. He's still moving. Um, so we're not going to constrain the Holy Spirit based on uh, when we decided service was going to end. But I do want to say, um, if, if you need to leave at this time, I'm sure many of us have kids, and I'm sure the nursery workers would be happy for you to get your kids at some point. So please make your way out quietly. But uh, at this time, I, I'm gonna ask the team just to sing God, You're So Good Again, um, or a chorus of that. We're gonna keep, keep uh, singing for just a couple more minutes here. Um, feel free to stay and worship. If you still need prayer, please come down and get prayer. But uh, we're just gonna keep going for just a couple more moments.